Thank you so much for joining us today. We'd love to know how this ministry is impacting your life. So please take a moment and email us at mystory at cowboyjunctionchurch.com. Also, if you'd like to support this ministry financially, you can visit our website at cowboyjunctionchurch.com and click Give. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. So I'm so glad that y'all are here. Just in case you didn't know, if you're new, my name's CG. I'm on staff here. I'm not the senior pastor. That's that guy down here. He was out of town this weekend, so I got to fill in. And this is always such a humbling opportunity. I'm always so grateful for this. I never in a million years would have dreamed that I would have ever gotten to do something like this because this is not me. But that reminds me all the time that the only reason I'm able to do something like this is because of him. And I don't want to do it without him. And so, um, but I'm always grateful for this chance and this opportunity. And I also, too, Jeff said thank you, but I want to say thank you from all that's happened with the Camp Crossfire stuff. Every year, this is our 12th year for Camp Crossfire. We've been doing these envelopes for 12 years now where we raise over $5,000 to put on camp. This doesn't go towards scholarships. This just helps us put on camp. And uh, this, for the first year, I think maybe ever, the envelopes are gone two weeks before camp got here. So that is so cool. Thank you guys so much for that. And we had over 18 teenagers here yesterday um, serving food and helping out doing that and getting their way paid to camp. And I just can't wait. I know God's got some good things in store for the counselors and the staff and, and the campers at camp. So you guys, I thank you for making it possible because it wouldn't be possible without you. So let's pray and we'll get started. Father, I just thank you again for tonight, and I thank you for this chance, and I thank you that you are here and that you have a word for us. And so, Lord, I just pray that you help me to get out of the way and let you have your way, that every word that comes out of my mouth tonight would be from you, and I pray that you would help me to clearly communicate it the way that you want me to. Help our hearts to be open and ready to receive the word that you have for us, God. Anoint this time, bless it, and use it. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. So last week, Pastor Ty started talking about Solomon, and he gave me strict instructions before he left not to get too much into Solomon because he's going to be preaching on him for the next few weeks. So I hope I didn't do that, but it's kind of too late now. So, um, but we talked about King Solomon, and in First Chronicles, he read um, in chapter 28 and 29, King Solomon was King David's son, and he was the third king of Israel. And one of the very first things he did as king is he put God first. And so Pastor Ty talked about how our life is made up of containers and content. And that the container is important, but what's on the inside is even more important. And that Solomon had some pretty incredible content when he started out as king. He was full of some really great stuff, and his content was in good shape. So what was it about his, his content? First of all, King David had him set up. King David had, had everything ready for him, he had him ready to go. Pastor Ty said it was like he had the ball on the tee ready for him to hit. It's a golf analogy. analogy. I know nothing about golf, but hopefully y'all do. He was set up, ready to go. But the very first thing he did as king is he made a, a sacrifice of a thousand burnt offerings to the Lord and put God first. That alone comes with some pretty incredible content to say, you know, I, he could have just stepped in, took over, and followed after King David, but instead he said, first, I'm going to put God first. And he made a thousand burnt offerings, which was really incredible. And then that night, right after that happened, in Second Chronicles, Chronicles chapter 1, God came to him in a dream. And God told him, Solomon, because of what you've done, you can ask me for anything. 
Whatever you want, you can ask me. Now, just think about that for just a second. God just came to you in a dream. He said, you can ask for anything you want. What are you going to ask for? Solomon could have asked for riches. He could have asked for glory. He, he He could have asked to be the greatest king to ever rule. And he asked for wisdom. Of all things, he asked for wisdom. Because he wanted to know how to lead Israel. Because he, he said, I don't know how. I don't know how to lead like my father led. And so I want wisdom. And God said, you know, because you asked for wisdom, because your content wasn't just about the riches and the glory, you asked for wisdom. I'm not only going to give you wisdom, but I'm going to give you all the other stuff too. I'm going to give you the glory and I'm going to give you the riches and all of those things. So King Solomon had some incredible content. And he had everything else too. Like he was pretty set up. But then, when we read in 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 4, I want you to see what happens. It says, For it was so, when Solomon was old, that his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father David. What happened? His content was so full. His content was so right. He put God first. And now we read that his heart, has turned from the Lord, that he wasn't loyal like his father David. He had everything, like not just a little bit of stuff, like he had everything, everything you could want. He was even chosen by God. He was so wise. He knew the right thing to do, but his heart still turned from the Lord. So I want to read a little bit more in 1 Kings chapter 11 so we can kind of find out what happened here. It says, but King Solomon loved many foreign women. Now, men, don't go blaming it on the women, okay? I know that's what you were thinking as well as the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. Y'all can say those however you want when you preach. From the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, you shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Surely they will turn away your hearts after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love, and he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. For it was so when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods and his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God as was the heart of his father David. Verse 6, Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not fully follow the Lord as did his father David. That just breaks my heart to think about it. To think of being so full of that content of putting God first and having everything right and then everything else on top of that and then to hear that his heart turned away from God. So I think that there's three lessons tonight that we can learn from Solomon. And the first one is that compromising contaminates our content. In the beginning, before Solomon took over, David set him down like a good father would and gave him a pep talk and told him, listen, to get it right, these are some things you've got to remember. These are some things that are going to help you be king. And these are even things that we can apply to our life today. They're so good. 1 Chronicles chapter 28, starting in verse 8, says, Now therefore... In the sight of all Israel, the assembly of the Lord, and in the hearing of our God, be careful to seek out all the commandments of the Lord your God, that you may possess this good land and leave it as an inheritance for your children after you forever. As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him with a loyal heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the intent of the thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. 
He had everything. He knew what to do. David had set him up. And I don't think that Solomon set out with all this great content and said, you know what? I hope that my heart turns from the Lord someday. That's my plan. You know, I hope that I end up in a place far from God. I don't think that that's ever, ever how he intended to be. But he started compromising. He compromised in his priorities. He compromised in his values, in his obedience, and just the little things. You know, it probably wasn't just one big turn from the Lord, but it was a little step, and then another little step, and then another little step. Can you relate? Because we've probably never been people that have set out and said, you know what, I hope I end up jobless someday. That's what I'm after. Or, you know, I hope that we end up divorced. That's what we're, we're headed towards. Or, I hope that I end up far from God. That's never really how we intend it either. That's never what we're expecting or want to end up. But compromising contaminates our content. There was a study done by the University of Alberta in Canada, and it was on swimming pools, public swimming pools. And they did a, a study on a swimming pool that held 220,000 gallons of water. And they found that there was about 20 gallons of urine in that public swimming pool. You're welcome. <laughs> I'll see, you didn't have to talk me real, to me real hard to get me to not swim, but that just knowing, I mean, 20 gallons compared to 220,000 gallons, that's not a whole lot, but it's enough, you know? Like it's contaminated. Just a little bit can contaminate your content. Solomon was so wise, the wisest of wise. He knew what was right, but he didn't do it. He compromised and contaminated his content. And I find myself there sometimes too. I'm not as wise as Solomon, but there's times that I know what to do and I still don't do it. Romans chapter 7, verse 15, Paul said, For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. And so that says to me that not compromising our content is more than just being strong, because we know what to do. It's more than just being a good person. It's more than just head knowledge. It's more than just following a list of rules. But not compromising our content has a lot more to do with what we put inside our content, what we allow to fill us up. And so how do we avoid compromising? I want to go to one of my favorite stories, probably my favorite story in the Bible. I don't know. It's hard to pick one, but this may be, this is at the top of the list. But it's found in Daniel chapter 3, and it's the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And there are these three Jewish boys who love, love the Lord with all their heart. They're serving him. They're doing all the right things. They're doing what they're told to do. And then King Nebuchadnezzar comes along, and he makes this gold statue and he tells the kingdom, when I play this music, the harp and the flute and all of this music, I want you to come and you're going to bow down to this image of gold that I've made. And if you don't come and bow down to this image, then I'm going to throw you into the fiery furnace. Before we move on any further, did you guys know that there is still music that plays in our life that beckons us to come and bow down to something in our choices and our decisions, that beckons us to compromise in, in things? I don't know what that music may, may be for you, but it's something to pay attention to because it's playing all the time. So King Nebuchadnezzar says all of this, and then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, of course, said, we're not bowing down because they believed in God. And so some other little guys in the kingdom went and told King Nebuchadnezzar, the Jewish boys aren't going to bow down, and that made King Nebuchadnezzar mad. So he called them in, told them the whole deal again. If you don't bow down when the music plays, I'm throwing you into the fiery furnace. But this is when it gets really good. Uh, and 
Two, I think that that kind of, in my opinion, would have been a good time to justify compromising. You know? Like, okay, God, okay, but listen. So if I bow down, I don't get thrown into the fire. But if, if I do bow down, then I, I'm going to die. Who's going to be here to tell anybody about you because they're going to throw me into the fire? Yeah. It would have been a good time. You could have justified it. But this is what it says in Daniel chapter 3, verse 12. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. That gets me excited. Like, just thinking about the kind of faith that says, I don't care what you tell me to do, I'm not going to do it because my God is going to deliver me because he is good and he is a big God and I, do, I don't care. That's who my God is. But then this is my favorite part. Then they said, but if not, my God is good and I believe in him, but even if he doesn't do what I think he's going to do, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship that gold image which you have set up. And then they were bound up, and they were thrown into the fire. But it goes on in the story, and King Nebuchadnezzar is standing over there, and he's like, wait, 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 wait. Okay, first of all, he turned the fire up four times hotter, threw the guys in, and even the guys that got close enough to throw them in, they got burned up by the fire. Like, it was super hot. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were standing there, and they're like, they're, they're alive, they're in the fire. And then, didn't we just throw three in? I see four, and one looks like the Son of God. And so they pull them out of the fire. They came out without a hair of their hair, hair on their head singed, not even smelling like smoke. Wouldn't that be cool to live that kind of life? Just to live the kind of life that I don't even smell like smoke. I may have walked through the fire, but I don't even smell like smoke. And then King Nebuchadnezzar blessed the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he said, there is no other God who can save like this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't compromise what they believed in, even in the face of death. They didn't compromise because, one, they were courageous. But they weren't courageous in who they were. They were courageous in who they served, in who their faith was in. They didn't compromise because they were committed. They were committed to their faith. They were committed to a God that wouldn't just keep them from the fire, but to one who would be with them in the fire. And they didn't compromise because they were accountable how many of you know that there's strength in good friendships? Right. And it's something to pay attention to when it comes to not compromising, to maybe pay attention to who do you have surrounded, yes. who are you surrounded by? Because sometimes that can be one of the hardest parts about compromising if you're not surrounded by the right kind of people. They were good friends and there was strength in their friendships. And then they didn't compromise. And because of that, they were contagious. Their content changed the content of those around them because they weren't willing to compromise. I love that story. So be careful not to compromise, because it will contaminate your contents. And then number two, that we can learn from Solomon, discontentment displaces our content. Discontentment is a restless desire or craving for something one desires. We all know what that's like, to want something we don't have. And to displace means you can't have two things in the same place at the same time. So Solomon, back to him, he had everything. He had everything. He was so rich. He had all the fame, all the glory. He had achieved everything. Everything a man could want. 
And this is later on in his life, he wrote the book Ecclesiastes. And I want to read to you some of the stuff in here with you guys remembering that Solomon had everything. And it starts in verse 1 of uh, chapter 1 of Ecclesiastes. These are the words of the teacher, King David's son, who ruled in Jerusalem. Everything is meaningless, says the teacher, completely meaningless. Everything is wearisome beyond description. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. And then Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 1. I said to myself, come on, let's try pleasure. Let's look for the good things in life. But I found that this too was meaningless. So I said, laughter is silly. What good does it do to seek pleasure? After much thought, I decided to cheer myself with wine. And while still seeking wisdom, I clutched at foolishness. In this way, I tried to experience the only happiness most people find during their brief life in this world. I also tried to find meeting by building huge homes for myself and by planting beautiful vineyards. I made gardens and parks, filling them with all kinds of fruit trees. I built reservoirs to collect the water to irrigate my many flourishing groves. I bought slaves, both men and women, and others were born into my household. I also owned large herds and flocks, more than any of the kings who had lived in Jerusalem before me. I collected great sums of silver and gold, the treasure of many kings and provinces. I hired wonderful singers, both men and women, and had many beautiful concubines. I had everything a man could desire. So I became greater than all who had lived in Jerusalem before me, and my wisdom never failed me. Anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for all my labors. But as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless, like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. Solomon had everything, had achieved everything, had tried everything, but found that nothing apart from God would truly satisfy him. He lived in discontentment with having everything around him. And discontentment can cause us to fill our container with our desires or the things that we think will make us happy, only to find that they leave us completely empty. When we try to put other things in our container that aren't meant to be there, we have to take something out to put something else in to fill that up. And discontentment is kind of a big deal in our world today. Obviously, it was a big deal like in Solomon's day, but it hasn't gone away, and it's still a big deal. I don't think social media really helps personally um, because, like, for the first time ever, you can actually measure your popularity. Um, I'm really glad Facebook wasn't around in high school because I didn't need help measuring my popularity. It wasn't good. But to think that, like, I can go and look and see how many friends you have and then compare to how many friends I have. And then also not to mention on, on social media, most everything you see is fake or not real, or a lie, because I can take a picture, and I can take it several times before I get it right, which it usually takes several times, and then I can crop it and then filter it before I ever post it. There's nothing real about a lot of the things that we see on Facebook. So no wonder sometimes we find ourselves in discontentment, because it doesn't, it's not even real life. We also find ourselves in a place of discontentment because we live in a world of more. We have so much, but we want so much more. Craig Rochelle wrote a book called Hashtag Struggles. Um, Following Jesus in a Selfie-Centered World is the tagline. I would so encourage you to read it, but one of the things he said in there is he said, we're busy but bored. We're full but empty. We're connected but lonelier than ever. 
Just because your container is full doesn't mean you will be content. Just because your container is full doesn't mean you're going to be content. We also find ourselves in a place of discontentment because we compare. And it's so easy to do. And I talk about comparison almost every time I speak because it's something I struggle with. It's so hard not to compare. I don't look like so-and-so. I, back to Facebook, I can put, put a picture on Facebook and put it up and get 50 likes. Next thing I know, Heather puts one on Facebook and gets 500 likes, just like that, you know? It's so easy to compare and say, I don't have what so-and-so has, or my house doesn't look like theirs, or my marriage, or my kids, and we just compare. And we think that um, when you see things on social media or even just hear of things, Stephen Furtick says that when we compare, it's like comparing our behind-the-scenes to somebody else's highlight reel. And that's not fair. But because we compare, we find ourselves in a place of discontentment. We also find ourselves in a place of discontentment because we have unmet expectations. Have you ever said something like, this is not what I thought my life would be like? This is not where I thought I would be at this point in my life. I remember being 26 and having never gone on a date and so badly wanting to just find somebody, thinking I would have never thought my life would be here. I had some girl yesterday come up and ask me, she said, so you're single? I'm like, no, no, I'm, I'm married, happily married. I'm so grateful for that. But that, at that point in my life, I was discontent because I just didn't, it was unmet, unmet expectations. Or I've even thought, you know, being 33 and I've been married for almost seven years and I really thought we would have kids by now. That's the way it's supposed to work. You know, I had a plan. And so unmet expectations can easily get you in a place where you feel discontent. We also find ourselves in a place of discontentment because we displace the main thing. We take the main thing out of the place in our heart that only he deserves. And 1 John chapter 5, verse 21 says, Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your heart. And that's what displacement does. And when we're discontent, we begin to put stuff in our container to try to make us happy and to try to make us content. And in order to do that, we've got to take the, the right stuff out. Here's what Paul said about contentment in Philippians chapter 4. And I love this because not only did Paul talk about contentment, but Paul wasn't set up like Solomon. Paul's out preaching the gospel, doing what God called him to do, and he's been arrested, thrown in prison, and is probably chained to a Roman guard 24 hours a day. That would be a pretty good way to say, I'm not real content right now, God. Like, this is not comfortable. And this is what he says, starting in verse 11. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. And here's, what, here's how he does it. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Contentment is not found in what we have or do not have. It's found in Christ alone. He is the only thing that can truly satisfy. He is the only thing that's going to fill up our content to leave us in a place where we're not discontent. I've told this story almost every time I got to speak, and I'm going to tell it again. But we have a missionary friend, J.D. Brown, that came to church one time, and he told this story about when he was on a trip over in Africa. They were with this tribe. And they sat down with the tribe, and they were fixing to come home. And they sat down with the leader and said, you know, we want to pray for you guys before we leave. Can we pray for you in your poverty before we go home? 
And the African tribal leader stopped him and said, um, thank you for praying for us, but we don't want you to pray for us in our poverty because we pray for you in your prosperity because you have everything but God and we have nothing but God. That's some content to say that they're so full. They don't even want you to pray for their poverty because that's all that they know that they need is to be so full of God. Number three, lesson we can learn from Solomon is to stay filled up with the fullness of God. Be filled with the fullness of God. I have not been able to get the word fullness out of my head since Abby, Abby spoke several weeks ago. What does it mean to stay full, to have fullness? In Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13, this is the very end of Ecclesiastes, which is probably the very, towards the end of Solomon's life, one of the last things that he ever wrote. He said, that's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. Solomon compromised and was discontent and ended up in a place that he didn't mean to be. But in the end, he knew what was most important. He didn't put God first for all of it, but he knew that he should have and told us that we should to put God first, to keep the main thing the main thing. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. I pray that God, the source of hope, and that's kind of important if we're going to talk about fullness and filling up, is what source we're filling up with. Going to the source of hope will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. So if your content is so full of him, of the Holy Spirit, of what God wants to do in your life, if you're so full of his fullness, nothing else will fit. We don't have to worry about living in discontentment because we don't have room for it. We're so full of him already. I've really struggled with how to um, close my message. I, I knew earlier in the week that um, I was supposed to talk about discontentment and about compromise, and, and I had my notes ready and, and all that, and it just wasn't coming together. And I was thinking about it because I was thinking about, you know, <clears throat> I didn't want to stand up in here and tell you, you know, don't compromise. Don't be discontent. Just stay strong. Stay full. You can do it. Because I, I sometimes I'm like, I, I don't even know if I know how to do that all the time. And sometimes life is hard. And you may be sitting out there going, CG, I don't have everything like Solomon. It's, if I had everything like Solomon, I would be content. <laughs> I would be full. But I don't have everything. As a matter of fact, I've got nothing. Or life is hard right now. Or it's easy, CG, for you to say that you're content. You're married to Clay Harden. Like, how hard could it be, really? But, so, Saturday afternoon, I still didn't know really how I was going to close out my message. And I should have been at home studying, but instead I, I went and finished out the Pink Impact Conference at New Beginnings Church in Lovington. And I um, was worshiping with them and listening to some great messages and stuff and as I was standing there worshiping we were singing songs like that he's the God of miracles we sang the song about how he split the sea so I could walk right through it we sang about his faithfulness and how good he is and that he's a good good father we sang about how he's never lost a battle and I'm worshiping and I'm singing and I'm 
I'm just singing these songs about how faithful and how good God is. And I catch out of the corner of my eye my friend Leslie, who's sitting over there, but was standing over here. And she's just worshiping with her whole heart, singing. He's never lost a battle. My God is faithful. My God is good. I see, he, I've seen him do it before, and I'll see him do it again. And it just welled up on the inside of me. She is full of his fullness. Because just a few months ago, her husband went to be with Jesus. And this would be a really easy time in her life to say, you know what? I'm not real content. But instead, she's overflowing with the fullness of God. And so afterwards, I said, Leslie, I got to talk to you. I got to speak on Sunday, and you're supposed to help me. And so I was writing down as fast as I could some of the things. I said, I've got to tell everybody how to stay full. And what does fullness mean? And she said, fullness to me is the peace that surpasses all understanding. The peace that I can't explain. I don't understand it but I've got it. She said, it's also the fullness is seeing God even in the little things and being grateful for what he's doing in her life on a daily basis. She said, in order to stay full, she's had to change her perspective and to see things the way that God sees them and not just the way that she wants to see them. She said, she stays full by spending time in worship and spending time in his presence and relying on his word so good. So then I couldn't stop there. So then I text our friend Kyla, who you guys know Kyla. She sits over here in the second row on Monday nights. She just recently had an open heart surgery and has a machine on the inside of her body that is making her heart pump. And she is hooked up to electricity 24 hours a day. She has to wear a battery pack or stay hooked up to the wall. Her life is changed forever. Forever. But the, the girl is so full of God and it just flows out of her. I'll try to text her something encouraging and she encourages me right back. And I'm like, I was trying to help you, but she's so full of God. And so I text her the same thing. And I said, Kyla, you're so full. What does it look like? What does it mean to stay full of his fullness and how do you do it? And so she texts me back and I'm going to read you what she said. She said, okay, for me, it's a hard question. Because it's challenging to stay full in adversity. Nobody ever said it would be easy. Yet at the same time, I'm desperate for God. Honestly, I would say it's not about having time with God as much as it is a heart always towards God. Talking to God all day. Thinking about how he's come through daily. Reading devotionals. Listening to praise music. And reading the word, but still not maybe as much as I want. I've been so encouraged by others when they send me scripture, songs, encouraging texts. All of these things feel like God's speaking to me. A lot has been pulling on what I already know and speaking that truth over my, myself. I wish I could say that I dove into the word and my prayers more, but it's been more of an awareness of God and acknowledging how much I need him to keep fighting. Praise music has been my go-to more than anything. Fullness to me is awareness of God in every aspect of life, looking for Him in all things, even on the hard days. It's easy when going through a trial to look at your feelings and circumstances and not see God or feel abandoned, but it takes faith, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, to stay focused on God and trust through the trials. So I'm not going to try to tell you how to stay full 
or what his fullness means, but I hope that you heard it in there. Because I would say between those two testimonies of people that, you know, everything isn't just peachy keen right now, but they're still full of his fullness. And it's because they said be intentional and to have an awareness of who God is in your life. Not just seeking him for what he can do, but seeking him because of who he is. And just because he's God and he's good and we serve him just because of who he is. Have that awareness in your life to spend time in his presence. And that doesn't necessarily mean just on a, at church on a Sunday or a Monday or that you have to do that here. That can be anywhere. In your car, in the shower, wherever you can spend time. To spend time in his presence. And then to be intentional about relying on his word. So how's your content today? Is it contaminated because of compromising? Because if so, I've got some really good news for you. That's what Jesus came to do, was to pay the price for our sin, for our compromising, and to make us clean. He cleans out the swimming pool of our heart completely. It makes us new just by choosing to follow him. That's it. Is your content displaced because of discontentment? My encouragement to you tonight would be no matter where you're at in your life to leave going, he alone can satisfy. He alone is enough. And to let nothing take the place of God on your heart. That may be something big or it may be something little. I told my Bible study group this week that one area I struggle is is with Facebook. Talked about it a lot tonight, so y'all are probably like, yeah, you do, CG. Gosh. But it's just so easy to, you know, I could be doing something and get distracted and just whip out my phone. And Facebook isn't bad. But if it takes the place of God on my heart, then it, I put it in a place that it doesn't belong. I've displaced something in my heart that I don't need to displace. And then lastly, are you full of his fullness? Because if we can stay so full of his fullness, we don't have to worry about anything else fitting. And then we just get to overflow to the people around us. That's what I want to be like. I just want to overflow. Not because of who I am or what I've done, but because of who God is in me. Would you guys stand with, stand with me? I just want to pray for you tonight. I'm also going to ask the prayer team if you would go ahead and come forward. And if, if you, before you leave tonight and you say, you know what? I just need somebody to agree with me. I need prayer. It doesn't have to have anything to do with compromising or discontentment. You just need prayer. Then our prayer team's going to be up here um, to pray with you. Or if you, maybe you were thinking, CG, when you were talking about the whole compromising and um, Jesus paying the price for my sin, I've never really made that decision to give my life to God. And tonight, I would like to do that. And if that's you, I would love to pray with you. I'll meet you right over there by Fabian's keyboard. And I've got a Bible and a book I'd love to give you. But if that's you and you say, you know, I, I, I want him to come and make me new and make me clean. I need a do-over. That's what salvation's all about. But I want to pray for you guys before we leave. So would y'all pray with me? Father, I just thank you so much for tonight. I thank you for this opportunity again. And, and Lord, I thank you for what you've stirred up in my heart this week. And I pray that it doesn't just stop on my heart, but I pray that there's people that would take it with them too, that um, compromising really does contaminate the things that you want to do in our heart. And when we're discontent, it can cause us to displace things that only belong to you. And so God, tonight, 
I just pray that you would fill us up with all of your fullness, with that peace that surpasses all understanding, with your love and your grace and the things that we don't even know how to comprehend. To just be so full of you, to be so full of the Holy Spirit that we overflow everywhere that we go. God, I thank you for living big in us, for helping us, helping us to to stand up and be courageous and committed like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. To have content that is so full of you. God, I just thank you for tonight. I thank you for every person in this place. I thank you for using us and doing a big work in our heart and our life. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. I'm so glad that y'all were here tonight. Don't forget that we love you. Jesus loves you. Don't you ever forget it. It's time for us to go love God and to love people with no limits. You guys have a great week. We'll see you.